In this episode, I speak with Kim Peters-Dent about how COVID has impacted her life as a parent, instructional coach, early childhood consultant, university faculty member in a teacher preparation program, and a doctoral student. She reminds us to make space to ask and listen to what students need in times of uncertainty. My guest today has been in education for over 20 years. She has worked in pre-K through birth classrooms, as well as a coach and reading specialist in the public school setting. She has also taught GED courses and freshman English at Prairie State and Delaney Colleges. Kimberly Peters-Dent holds state certification in birth through third grade with a reading teacher endorsement and a K-12 reading specialist certification with an ESL endorsement. After receiving a Bachelor's of Arts in Public Relations from Roosevelt University, she received a Master's of Arts in Early Childhood Education from Governor's State University. Kimberly is currently a doctoral student at Governor's State University with a concentration in Higher Education Administration. Kimberly continues to share her expertise and excitement for early childhood with local nonprofit organizations. So join me in welcoming to me, Kim, not Kimberly, but join me in welcoming Kimberly Peters-Dent. Kim, I am so excited to have you with me today. Thank you, Rhonda. I'm so excited to um to be that you even asked me to come on. And I, I'm just listening to you read my bio. I'm like, wow. That person sounds pretty cool on paper. <laughs> Who's that girl? <laughs> Who's that lady? <laughs> that is you. That lady is you. How are you holding up while sheltered in place in, in Chicago? What's things like there? Well, I'm just trying to keep some sense of normalcy for myself and for my family. Uh, my daughter is, uh, she would have been graduate. Well, she is graduating from eighth grade and, you know, that was canceled. So we have to um, kind of do some alternate plans for that. Her birth, 14th birthday came, we had to do a drive-by. So we're just trying to grasp this new normal, um, just trying to do fun things, still step outside and get some fresh air and enjoy nature, but still, you know, following those rules to keep us safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aren't we all? And and yeah. sometimes it feels like we're really struggling with that because it's so different. It is so different. But it just reminding different. ourselves about keeping ourselves safe and also thinking about keeping others safe too. That keeps absolutely us remembering to do the the things we need to do. Yeah, trying to stay busy too, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep busy. Busy is good. You know, you look up and it's the what day of the week is it? You know, it's just kind of blur. <laughs> Yeah. So what has been your experience with teaching and learning since COVID-19? Well, that question can be answered from a lot of different lenses. So I am an instructional coach in Chicago and a a consultant in Evanston in early childhood. And I'm also um, a faculty member at Governor State as well as a, a doc student. So each busy each is not the word places. for it, huh? <laughs> I 
I know. Each, I know. Each of those areas have has a different, um, you know, a story about how the coping is going with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I would say, as as a doc student, it wasn't very horrible. That's my learning component. Um, it wasn't that bad because the majority of my classes are online anyway. So, you know, basically we're just kind of going along with what the state is requiring, you know, as far as an an extra week of spring break, um, you know, pushback of our assignments just to give everybody an opportunity to just get acclimated to what school is going to be looking like going forward. Everything else was completely shut down. The schools were shut down, of course. Uh, early childhood was uh, shut down. So everything is remote. I, I find that, you know, just the uncertainty that is in every place that I have contact with, uncertainty, um, the unpreparedness. Nobody was prepared for this to happen. Um I also feel like people were afraid because they, you know, they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what they needed to do. So that fear of the unknown and, and I, I would say that this COVID experience separated the men from the mice (laughs) as Mm. far as who was ready, who was not, you know, what do you do with the information that you have, you know, or not. So I think that it it was definitely um, it it revealed who who we were as you know as a people and as educators. Yeah, yeah. That that phrase. Two things you said that that really resonated with me. Number one was the uncertainty of it all, right? And the second thing was who we were. So knowing that there was all of this uncertainty if we were really strong and understanding who we were, I think dealing with that un- uncertainty was a little easier, right? Um, this is true. Yeah, made it easier for, for people to, to, to make the transition. Right. And, and when you think of being unprepared, that really makes me think about not knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. And really being unprepared when it's uncertain, because then I'm like in chaos because nothing mm-hmm. really makes sense because I have nothing to kind of ground me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like the whole the whole planet was just kind of knocked in the head and blindsided. You know, it's just we were not ready for any of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So where were you in that? Were you one of the ones who were ready or not ready? And how did that impact you? I would say that I didn't have a plan in place to be ready for something like this because I never thought in my wildest dreams that we would even be experiencing anything like this in the first place. However, I felt like I was in a position of being flexible to try to use the tools that I had to make the best and make the most of the situation that we're in, to try to keep things moving, to try to keep things as normal as possible. And there are some instances where I feel like the, maybe some teachers that I've had to interact with or some students that I've had to interact with, they couldn't, they couldn't move forward what was happening with, with COVID. 
and it was a little difficult to to keep that normalcy going or at least try to keep some level of normalcy going with them. It's like a shutdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just trying to, you know, you can't, if, if someone doesn't want to come along for the ride <laughs> or to be, you know, um, uh, to jump on the train, to just kind of keep things moving. And if they're at a standstill, the big question is, what do you do? What do you do to get them on board? What do you get to, you know, what do you do to get them feeling a little bit better about the situation so that we can all kind of move together and work through it together to show them that they're not alone? And that's been that's been a huge um, blockade for me, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were saying that, I thought empowerment, right? How do you empower Mm -hmm. them to to take action and move Mm -hmm. forward versus being stuck? I just read the other day, um, uh, it was an article, but that I think it was in the article, it may have been the title of the article was this phrase about COVID being a a disruption, not a destruction. Mm-hmm. And so I think about the people you were describing, the ones who are stuck, COVID mm-hmm. was a destruction for them almost because they can't yeah. go anywhere versus it just being a disruption. Like you said, you were flexible yeah. and you used the opportunity to think about other ways to do your work. So it wasn't a destruction for you. It was just kind of like a bump in the road. Absolutely. You know, I, I was thinking that made me just <laughs> think about a situation that I had with one of my um, colleagues and I said, well, we could do this and we could do online PD while we're, you know, sheltered in place and we could do this. And my response, the response that I got was, no, let's just let people get used to this and used to that. And I don't think they're ready for this. And, and as much as I understand, nobody was ready for this. We all need you know, some wusa, meditation, prayer, whatever you believe in, you know, nature, interaction with nature, but we can't just stop. We can't just stop learning. We can't stop teaching because this has happened and you can't keep making this as an excuse to stop. And I just, you know, just, I'm not the supervisor, just kind of bagged off and, you know, just, uh, you know, honored what people were feeling. Mm-hmm. And and their process of getting, you know, kind of acclimated to what what we were dealing with. But, you know, again, going back to my statement before, you you have this blockade of, you know, bodies that <laughs> just don't want to move. They don't want to move. They just want to stay in one spot and just kind of grieve if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And and I think it's a part of the process, right? Is mm-hmm. that there has mm-hmm. to be um, some mourning for what yeah. was lost, right? Absolutely. But yeah. that mourning doesn't, in, in mourning, it doesn't mean that you can't start looking forward, right? Absolutely. But you have to mourn to be able to make space for all else that is, is possible in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about yourself during this time? Like, have you, what values have you learned about that you have in this experience? I think that this experience has allowed me to 
use the use my experiences from being a doc student or just being a student period toward you know toward my students so mm-hmm. I've, I've i feel that i have more empathy I've, I've had empathy for them anyway i always have empathy for students because i'm, I'm a professional student i've been in college for a million of years millions of years so i'm always going to have that empathy for you know teachers in training you know pre-service teachers um i've i've feel that, you know, once this all happened, first of all, let me just step back a little bit. No one was ready at my university if you weren't an already an online teacher. So if you had classes in person, this was a huge shift in your thinking, a huge shift in your planning that had to take place. And I felt like I was in the middle of it. I was a student. And I was a faculty member and I still needed, I I wanted somebody to feel sorry for me (laughs) as as a student at at some point, you know, you know, wear all these different hats, you know, one hat is like, oh, let's just keep on teaching and keep on learning. And then, you know, I I think maybe at one point I was like some of those people, the blockades that I was talking about, feel sorry for me. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm a teacher, I'm a student, you know, but I I felt um, this great empathy for my students because they were not, I don't feel like students were kept in the loop as they should have been with the changes that were going on in the university. It was you know, enough for faculty to figure out how to get these classes, make them remote um, and just kind of keep rigor and quality of teaching and learning still going forward. But then the students, you know, they're all out of sorts too. We don't know what's going on in their homes. We don't know if if somebody's sick, if they're trying to take care of somebody that's sick, if, you know, which I'm trying to make sure that I'm attending to them as a human being, plus trying to keep that rigor, plus trying to keep a level of understanding of maybe you can't get that paper in when I need for it to get in and we could talk it through. And maybe you need me to, you know, kind of have a conversation with to make you feel okay, or maybe calm you down or, you know, some kind of (laughs) SEL, you know, um, strategies that, you know, that I can, can, can help get you on board with kind of moving forward and in, in whatever way that I can help you. But empathy is, I would say that that was my, my big thing. Empathy. And I can hear how you, um, you tapped into all of your roles, right. And, and (laughs) how you experienced COVID so that you could turn that around and be of support to your students. Um, When you talked about holding space for you and and you felt like there was no one really holding space for you, but you used that experience to then create space for your students, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. treating them as humans and knowing that they are dealing with what was an abrupt situation, but also mm-hmm. traumatic in many ways yeah. for different people. Like we can't describe what trauma would look like for each individual and what they were experiencing in their homes, but just being able to hold space for them yeah, to sh- move through that experience to then be able to do what you needed them to do for their, for their um, course. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I feel like I got the greatest 
work out of them too. Mm -hmm. Just for giving them that space. Yeah, yeah. That space is so important. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes me wonder, how are we holding mm-hmm. space? How, how will we hold space for children whenever school reopens, right? Um, because knowing that when they go back to school, it's it's not just about the academics. It's also about creating space for them to be able to settle back in. <laughs> and, and yeah, for all of us to be able to settle back in. It's, yeah. it's, you know, shift from, from normal to not normal to normal, you know. And even trying Still to create a lot of work to do. Yeah, creating yeah. a new normal is it's a lot of work, you know, figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. You know, my, my thing is, are are we gonna have a summer? Because <laughs> <laughs> because we always have to think in the back of our minds, if what if school doesn't open? Mm-hmm. We have to have a contingency plan for starting the school year in a remote mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that every university that is meeting in person, every school that is meeting in person, you have to have a plan B, you know? And I think that was the biggest thing too. We weren't ready, but we didn't have a backup plan. You know, that was ready and, and, you know, just ready to go. You know, and I think that that is, that's gonna be really important that we have a backup plan, God forbid anything like this happens again or with any other type of emergency that we'll be ready, that this won't have to be, you know, of course we're human beings. We want to be around each other. We're social beings, but if anything, God forbid happens like this again, we'll be ready for the teaching and learning component of just kind of moving forward without such disruption. Yeah. Yeah. That backup plan made me think about, the question, what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Because that really is what a plan, a backup plan is, is, well, this was what we planned for, but here's what else is possible. So what else is mm-hmm. is is possible in doing this? So if you think about it for you, um, what do you think you need to do to prepare to do school differently? What is possible for school to do school differently? I think... Number one, you know, allow the grieving process, allow the grieving process. But we we have to know that we're all in this together and we have to um, support one another, but know that we still have to move forward for myself and even for the schools that I work with to just have professional development on how to take what you're doing in the classroom and make it easily transitional to remote a remote situation. It, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some planning. But I think it's it's possible. You have to think outside of the box. And I, I, you know, have talked to teachers who are not willing to think outside of the box. They're just so stuck in this traditional mode that it's difficult for them to think about you know, um, transitioning to a remote uh, situation. But I think having that professional development to show that it is possible um, for them to have that support to know that it's possible. You're not in it by yourself. We're all doing this together. To have curriculum that is some type of online component 
or materials that are easily accessible to kids. I think that would be important. I know it's going to be important for me as I interact with teachers also. I was talking to one of the directors for the schools that I coach with and you know they're looking at reading curriculum that has an online component in the event that we have to start off remote. Um, so just the planning and thinking outside the box and just working together. But I think it's just really important to just have everything ready to just go, <laughs> ready to go into remote. We have so much technology and it's like overload, mm-hmm. right? So we have to still think about our students' needs when we're scrolling through all of these apps, all these websites, all of these different technology supports. We still have to make sure that we are attending to what's best for our students to individualize this learning for them. That would be my suggestion. We got a plan. We have to still look at students, still look at what students need. We have to support each other. I'm going to take your hand. We're going to work through this. You know, and it's not just you know, and I know that this is not, you know, anything new, but, you know, it's not just teachers and the adults that are interacting with SEL for kids. We need to interact with SEL with each other so that we can be some good to students too. Yeah. Yeah. As you were describing that, I envisioned community, right? Mm -hmm. When you think Mm -hmm. of community, community is a place where you mourn together and you're there to support the person, you know, or the people in mourning. And you mm-hmm. hold space for them to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But you're also there to support the forward action, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of that mourning is then to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. You work together, right, to solve right. problems. And that working together uh, um, really creates, again, holding space for thinking of things that we haven't yet even imagined outside Mm -hmm. of the box thinking, you know, and thinking about school and how we're going to do school differently is really this outside of the box thinking. What do we need to learn in order to do this? And how do we get that learning and then support each other in in acquiring that knowledge so that if this happens again, we have what we we've at least have the foundation for what we need. And even mm-hmm. from that, there's still probably so much more possible, you know, like right. we talked about all the technology, you know, that's even, like you said, is really finding what is it out there that's really going to meet the needs of our students? Because mm-hmm. it can be overwhelming, but, and overwhelming yeah. for the kids too, if we throw so much at them. I heard you say um, that that's really all of those things that you said were things that I've heard you say since we've been talking about how you've used these same things to really help you get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you succeed in getting these things, mm-hmm. what would teaching and learning look like for you? Well, you know, the thing is we have to consider what we're doing in the classroom and see remote learning as an enhancement. So it's, it's not as if we're going to change everything so that we're like the Jetsons, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some people yeah. may not know the Jetsons if they're really young. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling on myself. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's look. Can you strike that? Strike that one. 
<laughs> but, you know, I think about, Rhonda, I think about the parents. Some of the parents are just so overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed. And I just think that teaching and learning, if this ever happens again, has to be a solid partnership with all of us that are involved. The parents, administration, faculty, staff, teachers, students, we all have to be connected and on board. I think that we need to strategically use our data. I was just talking to somebody about how we would start with the beginning of the school year. And they were saying, well, if we get this curriculum, we're going to expect this grade level to start at this with this level of knowledge in the fall, after we've had COVID, after we've had the summer, you know, so we really need to attend to what the students are needing. We have to find out where they are, what they need, and, and that's going to take a team effort. You know, we're going to have to use data strategically, include parents, hear their voice, give them a voice, you know, because a lot of times we're, you know, not a lot of times, but since COVID, we've made these decisions without them. <laughs> we, we've just made them as a school or as a university without asking them anything. Without you know, asking them and expecting them to step into a role that they have never had. Absolutely. <laughs> before. Absolutely. Yeah. The only communication, you know, I hear that teachers have with um, so-and-so needs to do this assignment. Can you help so-and-so with this assignment? So, you know, we have to be, we have to honor them too, honor their voice, honor student voice. You know, what is it, what is it that you need from me as your teacher? You know, what do you need for me and your your mom or me and your parents to work on together to help you? You know, so we, it has to be a team effort. And, it, and it's going to take us not only dealing with academics and putting those things in place for curricular, you know, um, reasons, but we have to attend to the whole child, too, to make sure that they're OK, because, you know, we talked about grieving. You know, we're social beings. We're used to being around each other, touching and feeling and, you know, laughing and hugging people. And we're just not able to do that. And that's just part of who we are. So we have to make sure that those social emotional um, components are in place to make sure that we're just OK as human beings. All of us, you know, students, parents, teachers, everybody. Um, and then that I think will kind of move into us doing a lot of the other deeper thinking and the rigorous thinking and the work that, you know, will make this, you know, uh, uh, successful instead of, you know, sorrowful. <laughs> I was just trying to think of another word that started with an S, <laughs> but it, it doesn't have to be as, as sorrowful, sorrowful as people look at it. It's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge because again, we're social beings, but we could still, this this whole COVID can produce geniuses just as if we were in, you know, inside of, of brick and mortar buildings. Yeah. 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 It, it takes that outside of the box thinking. Yeah. You said the one question and it gave me chills just to hear it when you said the students, we should be asking the students, what do you need from me as your teacher? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I just can imagine the power behind that question and how mm -hmm. empowered students would feel to be able to say, here's what I need. 
right? Here's what I need to learn versus the Mm -hmm. teacher being the one to dictate, you know, what the learning looks like and and what is learned, Mm -hmm. but giving the students freedom to do that. As you were talking, all I could think about was building community, bringing people Mm -hmm. together to solve the problem in their community. Mm -hmm. You know, the school Mm -hmm. is a community made up of parents and administrators and faculty and students and staff. Mm -hmm. And how do we bring that community together to actually solve that problem. If we have to do remote learning, let's let's all come together and figure out how we can do this. And that means right. it, it might look different for every school. Absolutely. And I, as you were talking, I'm just thinking about accountability, accountability. We have to hold each other accountable. We can't just you know, expect kids to just do these assignments that we send them and we're not doing our part as instructors. We're not meeting with them on a regular basis to show them how this learning takes place or what they need to learn or answer their questions. We're just kind of, some of us are just kind of just shoveling out assignments, (laughs) you know, and, and we need to you know, like you were saying with community, we need to just work together as a team to hold each other accountable to make sure that this remote learning situation can run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to do coming out of (laughs) COVID-19? How are you going to build community since this was something I think is really important to you? So how are you going to build community? It it, It is very important to me. And I'm going to start with where I started with my students at the university, having empathy with my students at school, of course, that's a that's a given. But in the other arenas that I work in, to just have empathy for them as well, just to make sure that I'm understanding what they're going through, to just be a listening ear, to do what what I suggested that students do for us. Tell me what it is that you need from me. Tell me what it is that I can help you with. And I think that is the place that I'm going to need to start, you know, considering that we will go into the fall in a remote mode of of teaching and learning. So I would start with empathy. I would start with us being prepared. It's not uncertain. You know, once you find out the word (laughs) that we're going to be doing this, we don't have to worry about uncertainty. We might have, it might be uncertain as when it will end, but if we know that we're going to go into the fall, okay, now we know, let's get to work. Let's start planning. How are our quote unquote virtual classrooms going to look? How are we going to do things that even though we're in a virtual situation, your fourth grade class can mirror this fourth grade class. We need to try to keep things as normal as possible as we are just moving through this disruption, not the destruction, like you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, are, are we still learning the same things? Are we considering the standards? You know, I've um, come across a couple of teachers who they just, you know, I'm sure that they're dealing with their own personal feelings and things that um, they're working through with this COVID. However, the rigor of their lessons and what their, you know, their expectations of their students, it um, was a little disheartening to see that that has dropped off. And we, we can't do that. We can't do that. We have to keep going. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of uh, schools are doing a pass fail or they're, you know, not counting grades or whatever. But, you know, that's still not an excuse for us to slack off with our responsibility 
as educators. So just planning, working together, hold each other accountable, having empathy, and just persistent. We have to be persistent. We can't fall off. We got to, you know, finish what we started, you know? Yeah. And I think if we could hold curiosity and consider all that could be, all that is possible, Mm -hmm. that keeps us Mm -hmm. being consistent, right? Because we're constantly thinking about, oh, well, maybe it could be this, or maybe we can try this, or maybe we can try that. Just that that excitement of what is possible really helps with uh, keeping us persistent. So Kim, before we end this, Mm -hmm. what did I not ask you that you feel is important to share? I think you asked me a lot of stuff, Rhonda. No, No, but um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. and, And I haven't, to be honest, haven't been able to have these conversations, these types of conversations with anyone Um, since COVID started, you know, it's always been on the end of how can I help you instead of someone listening to, (laughs) to me. (laughs) So, you know, I really appreciate that. It's all in service of, you know, being able to help others to just kind of move through what we're going through and, and we're all in this together. I am humbled that you agreed to do this with me. Um, and it it was just so empowering for me to just hold space for you to share your thinking and for us to just explore your thinking and what you feel is it, your experience has been and, and what's possible. And that hopefully others who listen to this will really hear your message about building community and how mm-hmm. important building community to solve the community's problem will be mm-hmm. and and how in doing that we can provide um teacher well-being we can provide social emotional learning for our students because we're all coming together to work on this together so mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. thank you for enlightening me with your thinking oh. today and, and Rhonda, you talk a lot about possibilities. I think once we get all of these other things in place in community, I think the possibilities will be endless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what community does for us, right? Yeah. You know, you said that yes. outside of the box thinking and we're working together. So when there is that support and we know that support is there, what mm-hmm. we come up with is endless, yeah. endless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm excited. I want to go get to planning now. I'm going to go get to work. <laughs> yes, then I've achieved my goal because that is what it is about is being able to build community with someone to really support them so that at the end they come out feeling more energized, more alive and ready to take action. So I thank you so much, Kim, for honoring me to go on this journey with you today and just being willing to to come on my podcast. Thank you. I'm honored as well. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.